So we've been doing a video for you from Faith Comes By Hearing each week to give you more information about them and what they do. And the vision of 2033 of having every person in the world, every people group, I should say, in the world, have the language, the Word of God in their language. And so that's just a special thing. Last week, we did a video by a guy or about a guy named Mason. And I got to tell you, when I first saw the video, I thought, man, this is really cool. This is how God is using his word here, right here locally. Because if you saw, Mason lived in Charlotte, North Carolina. And after watching that, I thought, would it not be cool if Mason could come and share his testimony with us personally? And so I'm going to do something today that I've never done in my life before. I'm going to introduce to you Mason Cassette, who is, I forgot to ask you, retired? Yeah. So he's a retired hockey player, professional hockey player. If you saw in the video, he was a fighter, right? <laughs> oh, by the way, I'm going to do the hockey thing. He said, don't get me started on hockey. I won't get done. So he's going to come and just take a little time and share with you the reality of God's word and how that word and faith comes by hearing, listening to that word, what a difference it made in his life. So Mason, if you will come, please. Round of applause for Mason. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want to get started on hockey. Otherwise, I'll be explaining offsides and all that stuff, and that's kind of a waste of time. So, um, yeah, so I, I just wanted to share with you some stuff that I struggled with, and I know that there are some high school students in here, too. And when I was in high school, I really did not like to read. I couldn't remember anything that I read. I, I couldn't um, keep my focus when I read. And, um, and I just kind of, starting in high school, I just kind of stopped reading and... Um, you know, I grew up in a Christian home, but throughout my 20s, I kind of did my own thing, and I thought that a lot of different things in, that the world offers were going to provide happiness, and um, I, they did not provide happiness, and I had to find out the hard way. So if you are a teenager and you kind of want to make this work yourself, I would save you some heartache and just uh, just surrender while you can, because uh, otherwise God will make you surrender, and that's what he did to me. So um, when I was 29 years old, I recommitted my life to Jesus. Uh, I got baptized, and uh, I was very excited. I was ready for Jesus to come back, like, right then. <laughs> and um, when I asked some people at the church, well, now what do I do? I got baptized, so now what do I do? And they said, well, you read your Bible, and you pray. And I was like, well, what do I do after that? And they said, read your Bible, and you pray. And so, reading my Bible, and I think that I have maybe thought this in my previous life, that the Bible was kind of boring, you know? I was like, hey, I don't really want to read this, you know? It's, I don't really, I can't make sense of it. And so the more I, that these people in the church challenged me to, to read my Bible, and I kept saying, you know, I just, I, you know, I'm trying to read like Galatians, and, and it's four chapters, and I'm losing my train of thought there. I, I, I can't even figure that out, you know? Um, so I would, I was scared of the bigger books of the Bible, you know, and, um, the problem is there was no context to Galatians, so I couldn't understand it. And so when somebody told me about Bible.is, they said, Hey, why don't you download this app and, um, try to listen to the word. Now, when you're listening, um, it's not just one person reading the whole Bible to you. It's actually multiple people. So Peter has his own voice. John has his own voice. Jesus has his own voice. 
And so um, it's, in, you know, there's some background noise. There's some crowd noises. Um, there's a little bit of music here and there. So it was almost like listening to a movie, but it was the actual verse-by-verse Word of God. So eventually, I um, ended up opening the Bible, and I would just slowly follow along as it was being read to me. And, um, and, and I'm telling you, this changed my whole life. This changed the way I look at the Bible. It changed my quiet time with Jesus. And, um, and I never thought I would say this, but I've actually read the Bible multiple times because of this. And so um, the stats on this show that if you can actually read your Bible and listen at the same time, you will actually, you know, kind of like, like remember and retain 20% more than someone who just reads. Now, I'm sure there's some book nerds in here who love to read, and you can remember everything, but for the rest of us, okay, we have to listen and read at the same time to get the kind of, like, that same knowledge. So um, this was something that really just changed my walk with Christ, and I'm, I'm so proud. I brag about it all the time that I've read the whole Bible because, I mean, I really struggled with the book of James, but... Um, so now let's transition to what faith comes by hearing does, okay? So what faith comes by hearing do is they will go into these smaller countries, okay? And, or smaller languages, sorry. And they will translate the Bible into the oral language. So 70% of the world actually can't read or they don't have a written language. So the only way to really reach them with the word of God is through an oral translation, so what faith comes by hearing does is they will send a team in there and they will translate this language with how they speak it in their heart language. This is the language that they dream in. This is not the, you know, some people, they all speak French in some African countries, but then there's these little dialects all around and God, you know, there's no translation for that, right? So to those people, they think that God doesn't speak their language, and that's very sad because they're like, God doesn't speak our language because we don't even have any books in our own language. So Faith Comes By Hearing is, they've currently, they have at least 1,800 languages right now that have at least the book of Mark. And there's 3,500 languages left in order to accomplish this vision 2033. And that's why we need your help, okay? There's three things we need right now. We need prayer. A lot of these places we, that they go into are very dangerous. There's people that don't want us there. Um, there are, um, you know, illnesses and sickness that we don't have here that are over there. There's traveling issues. So we need to pray for protection for our teams, um, that God will protect them and they, they will make a way. And, um, and then, you know, we need people to, 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 to share this. You know, this is a, a, like a ministry that not a lot of people have ever heard about. And so we need people to step up and kind of bring awareness to this. Um, and then we need funding, you know, because we don't charge anything for any of these translations. And it comes from people like us who believe in the Great Commission and we want to see it fulfilled in our lifetime. So that's what Faith Comes By Hearing does. And, um, and I went to New, uh, to New Mexico for their annual conference, and it was really incredible to hear some of the stories that are coming out of these places. And, um, and, and literally, when I heard that there was a tribe in Africa that had actually said, no, we don't actually want a, a Bible, because they felt like that our God was so far away because he didn't speak our language. That's what they felt. 
And so that really, that story has still stuck with me and it's touched me a lot. And so it's an honor to be able to give to a ministry that is sending boots on the ground in these countries and, and allowing this and, uh, and just doing everything that they can do to get the word of God. So this group actually only has about 200 to 250,000 people that speak this dialect. So these countries are often overlooked because there's not enough souls to, so they're going to, most people will focus more on the bigger languages, okay? Um, so this group had been kind of overlooked for a long time, and finally Faith Comes By Hearing was able to go in there, and they translated this Bible, and the stories coming out of it are absolutely just amazing. And so, um, you know, I, I'm, proud to, I'm proud to donate to Faith Comes By Hearing myself, and the reason that I give is because of what it's done in my life. You know, it's given me an opportunity to read the Bible and to share what I've read with others and to challenge other men. Um, I meet with a lot of men, and we have this issue with intimacy with God sometimes, and really where that starts is reading our Bible. And people who have a a, a prayer, you know, they, they feel disconnected with prayer. It's probably because, in my opinion, it's because they're not really getting in the Word to start. This is where the foundation starts you know, and so getting into the word has been so important. And um, right now, the fastest growing church in, a, in the world is Iran. And they are in a very underground, it's a very underground church. They're, they're highly persecuted. And we're seeing that church is growing like crazy. While as America, we are declining because we have people that are saying that the Bible says things that it doesn't say. And a lot of people are being led astray right now. And I personally think that it's because we're not in the word ourselves. And, um, and I want to just, just want to challenge everybody here to, you know, if you think the Bible's boring, if it doesn't make sense, download the app Bible.is and just listen to a chapter of Matthew. Some of these chapters are, are four minutes and 30 seconds. We can all find time to spend four minutes and 30 seconds you know, in the word. And, and I want to challenge young people too, because if you start this early, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache down the road. Take it from my, trust me. Um, so I just wanted to say that real quick. And I just want to thank you guys for actually asking questions about Faith Comes By Hearing. And uh, we're excited to be partners with y'all. Thank you, Steve. a lot more to Mason's story, and we're going to have him come back at a different time where he's able to share more of that with us, because one of the things that he shared in his video testimony was how his life was at a place where he didn't know that it had value, and it was through the Word of God that realizing there's still a God, and that God loves us tremendously, and that makes all the difference in our our lives when we see it. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That's why we're focusing on this. And remember the phrase we've used uh, for many times, you'll continue to hear it. When you only have the Word of God, sadly, sometimes you can dry up. You can go to very formal churches, and they have the Word of God. They're reading the same Word that you and I are reading, but there's no power. There's no uh, life to it. But then on the other side, if you have only the Spirit of God, and it's all about emotion, then you can blow up. But when we have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in our life as God designed it to be, oh, that's when we grow up. And that's what 
Mason is talking about as he began as a new believer in that commitment to Christ and how God, the Holy Spirit, who is the author of this book, began to work that word in his life. And it makes all the difference. So that being said, I want us to look at this as we continue to focus on this series, Freedom from Our Past. I knew what he was going to share, at least some of it today. So I wanted to dovetail that. I've had the joy of talking to Mason a couple of times on the phone and he shared more with me and just some of the things that God did as he brought him out of that past. And and one of the things that, that we see so, I, I can't think of the best word for it, but it's just sad. How many people today who profess to know Jesus Christ who are still held captive by their past? It's either what's been done to them or something that they have done themselves. And that is not the will and the work of God, I can promise you for certain. So faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ, depending on your translation, word of God. But we've got to hear it. <laughs> you know, we, he can get up and share, I can get up and share, the other guys can get up and share. But at the end of the day, if we're not doing that ourselves, then it's not going to happen. And it's imperative that it happen in our lives, that we get the word of God, not just in our heads, but in our hearts and then our lives so that we're actually being doers of the word and not hearers only. Not living in some fictitious land, but walking it out in everyday life in our marriages because there is conflict in marriage, in our families, in the raising of our children, at work. All the opportunities that God is placing before us. And we have to decide how we're going to respond to all those things that God is doing. So here's the verse. If you look at that. Actually two verses. So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him. If you continue in my word. What's that key word in there? Continue. That kind of implies you've actually started something. Right? You can't continue if you never did. If you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you what? Free. Do you know that all that God has done in creation and redemption has been for us to have freedom in our relationship with him so that every day that we live we can enjoy the intimacy with our father through the work of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit and it's every day it's it's all day long and this is the will of the father this is his heart this is his desire and so let me give you an old testament illustration I'm not going to read all those chapters okay just saying I know typically I do a running commentary. This is going to be a little different kind of storytelling. So there's this kid by the name of Joseph. He's in a family that has 11 brothers. And out of those 12 boys, guess what? Dad picks Joseph as the favorite. Now that could sound good. But sadly, Joseph's family was like a lot of our families. It was very dysfunctional. 
And because it was dysfunctional, and because dad had showed favoritism toward Joseph, all the other brothers were jealous. Let me just help you understand this. If you have more than one kid, treat them equally. They're not the same. I get that. But treat them equally. Love them the same. Let God do that work in your life because it creates such a mess. Last week, we talked about Elkanah and his two wives and how he favored Hannah over Penah. And so as a result, there was jealousy all sorts of junk. That's what happens in families when we don't do it his way. And that's what happened in this family. And the father, to make it even worse, gets this coat of many colors and puts it on Joseph so he could stand out in the crowd, as it were. And to make it even worse, God gets involved and starts giving this kid dreams. And in the dreams, which Joseph is dumb enough to tell his brothers, his brothers bow down to him. And his brothers are really really upset and then he has another dream and in that dream not only do his brothers bow down but his parents bow down and now even his dad's on his case well they raise sheep and goats and one day all the brothers are out tending them and Jacob the father says Joseph go check on your brothers by the way he had tattled on them before So if they did something wrong, he'd tell dad. This kid was digging a hole so deep it wasn't funny. And he goes, and they see him coming. Here comes dad's little boy, the tattletale. Wonder what he's going to say when he gets back this time. Well, you've heard the story. They said, you know what? What if he doesn't get back this time? What if we end him here? And so as he's coming, they're plotting on how to kill their brother. Now, one of the brothers, Reuben, had a little grace in his life and said, you know what? It's just going to be hard to kill him. So let's don't kill him. Let's just put him in his pit over here. And so they throw him in a pit and leave him. And they go eat lunch. You know, that's what you normally do. I could almost see with our family growing up, the eight of us kids, I could see us doing that to one of the kids. I mean, I'm just telling you, it was dysfunctional. I'm not sure which one we would have left in the pit, but I'm sure there would have been one we picked out. In fact, oh, I just thought of it. That's pretty good because it was my sister that was the favorite, the one right below me. And let me know, let me let you know how I know she was the favorite. We were on the farm. And she had a dog, and I had a dog. And one day, my parents said, you know, we really don't need but one dog. Guess whose dog had to go? (laughs) My dog. So she was the favorite. So I guess we'd have left her in the pit. And as they're eating lunch, they see this caravan coming. And say, oh, these are slave traders. Let's don't just end him here. Let's make a little money on this deal. And so they sell. Can you, can you imagine being pulled up out of the pit and nerve counting the money? 30, no, we ain't paying up. We ain't paying that much. What, can we go for 20? Yeah, 20 would, what, that's, that's a good deal. Let's do that. He's bought and shipped off to who knows where. And they take his coat of many colors, go kill an animal, dip it in blood and take it back to their dad and say, whoops, 
Your favorite little boy, Joseph, had a little accident and he didn't make it. And here's the proof. And you know that his father wept and could not be comforted for the next 13 years. Did you know that? Joseph's a slave now. Gets put on the slave block. He's sold to an aristocrat in Egypt named Potiphar. Goes into Potiphar's house, and one of the things that Potiphar is a sharp guy. He's up in the, you know, the Pharaoh's business, as it were. And he realizes, this guy's sharp, man. Everything he does, it gets better. And so he gradually gave more and more authority to Joseph so that Joseph could run the whole place. And Potiphar had to do nothing but go do his work with the Pharaoh, come home and take it easy. Apparently, Joseph was a good-looking guy. And Potiphar's wife said, well, you know, while you're here, we might as well have something going on. And Joseph said, oh, no, (laughs) no, no. My master Potiphar has put everything in my hands except you. And there's a reason for that. And I will not sin against my God or against my master. He had the coat of many colors, right? Gets dipped in blood, sent back to dad. Well, he's in Potiphar's house and he's been given another coat. And so one day when Potiphar's wife and he are there alone in the house, she says, today's the day. He goes, oh no, it's not today. And as he is running from the house, which by the way, it says in Proverbs, when you find yourself in those situations, run. And Joseph does that. And she rips off his coat. Have you noticed the theme here? Joseph's having a problem with coats. Potter comes home. He believes the whole story. To prison you go, boy. Gets to prison. Guess what happens? <laughs> he starts working. God is favoring him. And now the prison keeper realizes, hey, this guy's sharp. I'm going to give him more and more stuff to do. And he does. And before long, he's running the whole prison. Still a prisoner but running the prison. And then one day, the Pharaoh has a bad day. So he sends his wine taster and his baker to prison. And while they're in prison, they both have dreams. Now remember, Joseph got in trouble with his dreams back here. So there's these themes that keep coming forward in Joseph's life. And they tell their dreams to Joseph. And Joseph interprets their dream. You're going to die. And you're going to be exalted. And guess what happened? The baker died. The wine tester got exalted. And as he's leaving the prison, Joseph says, Remember me to the Pharaoh. And he forgets all about him. He's so happy to be back in the Pharaoh's good graces. Ain't got time for the little boy down in prison. Just going about it. And now a couple years go by. Joseph's still in the prison. The wine taster's been... By the way, would you want the job, the wine taster's job? You know, that's to taste everything before the Pharaoh eats it in case it's poison so you can die and study him. What a sweet gig. 
But then the Pharaoh has dreams. And he brings in all the sorcerers and all the magicians and everybody that in those idol worship temples that know all the stuff about spiritual things. And he tells his dreams and they got zero. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. And then the guy who's been allowed out of prison says, ding! Pharaoh, there's a there's a guy down in prison and he interprets dreams. Can you imagine the quick transition for Joseph from being in prison to being cleaned up? They didn't bring him just from prison and right in front of the Pharaoh. Believe me, the boy had a bath. Gave him some nice clothes. Oh, he got a new coat, <laughs> by the way. And he goes in and he interprets the dreams the Pharaohs had. Seven years of plenty. Seven years of famine. The wise, and Joseph says to the Pharaoh, the wise thing for you to do is find the man who can take the plenty and make it last through the famine. And the Pharaoh says, any better than the guy who just told me what to do? He exalts him. Again, I got a better coat even now. And being paraded through Egypt. And this guy has been through it rejected, almost killed by his own family, accused, imprisoned. Could it not be that um, he could be a little bitter? Huh? Could he be letting his past eat away at him? And time goes forward, and because... Pharaoh has given him a really nice wife. She starts having children. And when the first one's born, he says, his name is Manasseh because my God has remembered me in my enslavement, in in my life, and all the tragedies I've gone through. And then he has another one. And this one he says, okay, this one is that God has made me fruitful in this life he's given me. This is all in Genesis 37 through 50. There's different things that come in there, of course. But I want to get you to this place. Because this is where we need to be. The brothers, I won't take the time to go through the whole process, but the brothers have to come to Egypt to get food because they're out of food in Canaan. And they have to make multiple trips And in this process, Joseph is keeping his identity concealed from them because he now looks like an Egyptian. And he keeps setting little traps for them to make sure they come back. And finally, he, he reveals himself. And it says, he wept so loud that they could hear it at Pharaoh's house. And the restoration of him and his brothers. And he says... Go back and get your dad. And here's the wagons. If you read the scripture, it says that that's when Jacob was comforted when he saw the wagons from Egypt. That's when he knew it was true that his, that his son Joseph really lived. So all these years, he's been in this sorrowful, mournful place. And now he's lifted. He's brought back with his family 
And he lives there, and Pharaoh makes sure they get the best land, the land of Goshen. But then Jacob dies. And now the brothers are saying, okay, Joseph's been being the nice guy. He's the prime minister of Egypt. Nobody here more powerful than Pharaoh. And here we are living on his land. This is payback. All those years ago, all those years ago, when we decided in our jealousy to destroy our brother, he's going to get us. So they come together after their dad's death. And Joseph realizes what they're thinking. And here's his answer to what they're going through. As for you, looking at his brothers who've done all those horrible things to him. As for you, you meant evil against me. Anybody here ever had anybody mean evil against you? Anybody here ever had someone say something to you or do something to you that was horrible and terribly, terribly wrong? You meant evil. Oh, but look at what he says. But God meant it for good. We don't intend to be as ignorant as we live, I don't think. But because we have not spent the time in the Word of God with the Spirit of God revealing that Word to us so that it can be practiced in our daily experience, We sometimes so miss out on God. We so miss out on how God's working. Because what happens to us is we live with our emotions. We live with our feelings. Oh, they hurt me. It's terrible. And I'm not saying they didn't hurt you. But how we respond is what shows who we really are. And if we give in to those emotions and give in to those feelings and we're going to find ourselves in that pity, pity, pity pit. And the enemy just loves it because he just keeps kicking dirt in it. Sometimes he'll pour a little water in so he can get a little mucky and muddy down there and things can go from bad to worse. But God meant this for good. So the things we're going through If we truly believe that all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose, then we will respond differently. It doesn't mean we're going to like everything that God sends our way. There are going to be some difficult times. There are going to be some trying times. There are going to be some things that are being very, very painful. But God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to what? To preserve many people alive the reason we so often give into our feelings and our emotions is because it all about us what's it say in timothy in the last days men will be what lovers of themselves all about me what's happening to me What if we could see with the eyes of God, through the word of God, the truth of God that applies to all of our circumstances and situations and know that what God has been doing as we've gone through the difficulties and trials of life, that he wanted to grow us up and mature us to the place that he could use us as he used Joseph to save many people alive. 
Would you be willing? That's my question. Would you be willing to let the Holy Spirit of God, take the Word of God, apply it to your life so that your response to whatever it is that comes down the pike and is coming down the pike is called life and it comes at you? Now, sometimes we do some really dumb stuff and we pay for it. There's consequences. But even in that, if we truly come to that place of surrender to God and let him be our God and let the Holy Spirit that is now revealing Christ through us so that our world can know, so that our world can know who our Christ is. We're praying and believing that as God allows us, and I pray that you will next week decide to give the money to Faith Comes By Hearing, that there will be people in other lands who get to hear the Word of God for the first time in their own language. My first trip to India in 1986, you've heard this, I'll tell it many times. The Bible college students and the seminary students who were there They did not own a whole Bible. So what they did was they would take the books of the Bible and cut them out and pass them around so they could read it. Did you hear what I said? They didn't have the whole Bible. They had to take Books of the Bible, cut them out and pass them around. How many of you have a whole Bible? How many of you have several Bibles? And how many of you have now several Bible apps? We're so blessed of God. But guess what? If we're only readers or hearers and not doers, It's not much, is there? If we tend to read the Word of God and hear the Word of God and we have already have our predetermined ideas of what it's supposed to say and how it's supposed to apply to my life based on my history or based on my upbringing or whatever, then we're missing all that God has for us. We're missing the blessing of God doing in our lives what He did in the life of Joseph How many people are we willing to go through whatever difficulty so that God can use us to reach how many people and preserve their life, not just physically, but eternally? Because that's what the Word of God does. When the Holy Spirit applies that life, that word to my life and your life, it changes us completely and totally and forever and eternally. Eternally. That's our God. That's his word. We have this privilege. What are we doing with it? Would you stand with me, please? Holy Father, you have given to us the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we know when you're here, Jesus gets exalted. That's your job. You do it well. So whatever you have to do in my life, in the life of every person who's gathered and assembled here today, and those who will hear this message in the future, that you, Holy Spirit, will take 
your word, the life of a man named Joseph, and so transform us that we too can have that testimony, God, that you are the one, you're the one, you're the one who took all the evil, all the hurt, all the pain, and you're going to use it for good as we live our life every day in this world you've created for your glory and for your praise. We thank you, thank you, thank you for the privilege of being your child in this time in history. And to be grateful to you that you placed us here on planet Earth in this location with all the blessings and benefits so that we can steward them so well to bless your world with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so very much.